Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today is taken from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew. We begin today then with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have revealed yourself to us, though you have done so mysteriously. Lord, we cannot wrap our minds around what it means for you to be triune, one and three, and yet you are faithful, Lord, to reveal yourself to us so that we might trust in you and cling to your promises. We pray today, Lord, that you would teach us to trust your word above every word that we hear in this world. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a very interesting portion of Scripture uh, that we tend to skip over throughout the church year. It's, it's Matthew chapter 28, or the Scripture is found in Matthew chapter 28. And it's, it's absolutely a fascinating section to me. Now, let's talk a little bit here before we get into that about Matthew chapter 28. My guess is that many of you are familiar with the contents of Matthew chapter 28, uh, especially the first part. I mean, even if you've never read Matthew chapter 28, you are familiar with the account of the resurrection of Jesus. After all, this is what makes us Christians, the belief that Jesus Christ is indeed risen from the dead. So Matthew 28 starts off with the women going to the tomb, finding it empty, seeing the angels, and then going to tell the disciples that Jesus is risen, and then actually encountering the risen Lord. We know that part. Then if you skip down to the end, you get our scripture for this morning, what we call the Great Commission. And if you spend enough time in the church, you will definitely become familiar with this passage. It's a remarkable verse that concludes Matthew's gospel where Jesus makes promises to his disciples. He promises them that he has authority over everything and that he is with them always to the end of the age, even while they go about proclaiming his authority and giving the good news of salvation through baptism and the teaching of his word. But between those two sections, there's an even, not more fascinating, but very fascinating section in which we hear something we don't tend to spend a lot of time on. The enemies of Jesus and their response to the news of the empty tomb. Have you read this part? It's pretty amazing. After uh, Jesus is risen and he appears to the women, the women run back to tell the disciples that Christ is risen indeed. And while they do that, the soldiers who had been camped out at the tomb, you remember these soldiers? They saw the earthquake, they saw the angel, and they fell over like dead men. When they got up, like living men, I guess, they ran back to the religious leaders known as the Sanhedrin. And the text says that they told them all that had taken place. It's likely that they told them that they saw the angel, that they saw the earthquake, the stone rolled away, and the empty tomb. And the Sanhedrin is terrified by this. It makes them very nervous because they are afraid that the news of the empty tomb will get out. They are afraid that people might actually begin to believe that Jesus is alive and that his claim to be Lord is true. And so immediately, the very morning, Easter morning, while the women are running to tell the disciples about what has happened, the the Sanhedrin begins to spread another story. They begin to spread false information. They begin to spread fake news. (laughs) Get it? Fake news. We know what that is. Uh, Even without Twitter, they spread this information in order to keep control. 
They don't want to lose their control, so they spread these lies so they can control the situation. Thank God we don't live in a world like that anymore, right? Think about this. Nothing has changed. You and I still live in a world where as soon as, and especially like more amplified now, I would say that as soon as there is a piece of news that happens, there is an event that takes place, something we need to know about, you immediately have 15 different voices giving you 20 different ideas and opinions about what you should think about what has happened. And it's all filled with half-truths and lies. We've reopened the church this Sunday. We're going to be gathering at both campuses to be receiving the Lord's Supper, and we are thrilled about this. But before we did that, we decided, you know, we're going to open, and we're not just doing it because we're allowed to by the government, though that has certainly been a helpful thing, but we also wanted to make sure we were doing this right and safely. So what do we do? Well, we go and we, we consult the science. We look at what the doctors and the scientists are saying about how disease spreads and all of this. And, and what becomes very maddening about this is as soon as you look at this, you have, like I said, 15 scientists with 20 opinions. Which science do I listen to? Whose science is authoritative? Or think about what we're seeing right now with with all the riots going on. We have uh, racial issues continuing to bubble over in our society. We're recording this uh, on Wednesday. And, And as far as I know, many of the protests, at least in our area, have been very peaceful. I don't know what's going to happen between now and Sunday. But there's a lot going on. And again, here we have hundreds and hundreds of voices telling us how we should view police brutality, how we should view law enforcement, how we should view uh, races and riots, and how we should view uh, looting and uprisings and all of these sorts of things. And I sit there and I go, who do I listen to? Whose information do I trust? Which authority is the right authority? Now, please don't hear me saying to you what I'm not saying to you. What I'm not saying to you this morning, dear friends, is this. Please send me an email with the news outlet that you believe is the right information. Uh, because, you see, you will send me one and so will 25 other people. <laughs> that's, that's not what we're getting at here. But I think what I'm trying to say is this. All of us are overloaded with information and quite frankly, it's producing uncertainty and doubt. Am I alone in this? Am I the only one who feels like they're living in a world of uncertainty and doubt? See, what we need in the midst of all of this is an authority. Somebody we can trust. Some voice we can listen to confidently in a world full of lies, half-truths, and power plays. And it's into this world, then, that Jesus stands up to speak. In a world where lies immediately upon his resurrection are being told about what happened that Easter morning, Jesus stands up to tell us the truth. Upon the mountain where he told his disciples he would see them after he rose, Jesus stands up. Jesus stands up in the midst of these 11 men who were confused and baffled by everything that was going on. The text tells us they were were rejoicing and celebrating to be there in the presence of Christ, and then yet... They doubted. They were uncertain. Jesus stands up and continues to stand up in a world that is full of fear and false hope, political maneuvering, pandemic uncertainty, racial angst, and just plain fear. Jesus stands up and says, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I'm the one you can listen to. For I have authority over everything. Jesus has authority over all of creation. After all, he is the Son of God who is the author of all creation. He is the one by whom and for whom and through whom all things were made and all things exist. This is why I think it's such a a remarkable thing this Sunday and and such kind of a fun thing, quite frankly, that that we read through the entire first chapter of Genesis. And I I really appreciate Pastor Matt doing that today. I've never done that before, I don't think. And and I think it was was kind of fun. Uh, But it's important for us to go back to the creation, to remember about, to remember then who is in charge? Who has the authority? Who is the author of everything? And there we see how God is the author, the creator of heaven and earth. How the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, is at work organizing this world and how it should run. Under his authorship, the Father, by, the power, uh, by, by speaking his word, which is Jesus, And the power of the Holy Spirit created this world and it was good. It was good and perfect in order and harmony and beauty. All things were working together for good. The sky was created to house the sun and the moon and the stars. The the sea was created as a place of residence for the fish and the sea creatures. The sky was made as a playground for the birds. And the animals were given the land to live upon, to live and move and have their being. And God created man and woman in his image to have authority over all of it, to stand in his stead and by his command to run the show. Everything was good. Everything was perfect, beautiful, and whole. This is the world God authored. And this is the world that the Father has sent the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit to restore, to resurrect, to recreate. And it needs that recreation. It needs that uh, resurrection and restoration. Because as soon as God made this place, as soon as he created everything to be good, somebody came along to rewrite the script just like, just like with the Sanhedrin, as soon as Jesus is risen, false news is being spread about why the tomb is empty. As soon as God had made the creation, Satan is there to take control of the story, to rewrite this thing and send it into turmoil. It's Satan's revisions, you might say, that it get us to a world now where trust is shattered, where racial angst erupts into violence, where worldwide disease becomes a platform for politicking and where fear and uncertainty preside. That happens when Satan takes control. But you need to understand, God is not giving up rights to his work all that easily. God created this world by his word and God will recreate this world by the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ was the one person that Satan could not write out of the story. 
He is the one character, we might say it that way, that he, Satan could not control. Jesus did everything according to the Father's script. He did everything according to the Father's plan, even to the point of suffering death on the cross and rising again to take control back. His death brings to death all that is evil and corrupted. The one who is the way, the truth, and the life, the Word made flesh, came and conquered the father of lies so that you and I may know the truth, so that you and I may have someone to trust. Therefore, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him. We can trust his Word. But the question then becomes, what is it that we are to trust? What does he have to say? Well, unlike other authorities who speak in order to manipulate you or, or to mislead you or uh, to use words to get something out of you, Jesus speaks his word to you and he gives you his word as a gift. His word is a promise. His is a word that says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. His is a word that says, I forgive you all of your sins. I forgive you for your contribution to the destruction of this place. Now follow me. His is a word that calls people from every tribe and nation and language and tongue into his presence and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. His is a word that says, yes, death and trials will come. You will have trouble in this world, but take heart. I have overcome the world for you, and you will rise again to live in an eternity free from fears and from tears. His is a wet baptismal word that claims Jews and Greeks, slaves and free, male and female, black, white, Hispanic, Native American, Republican and Democrat, and claims them as his own and gives them a new identity marker. Disciple. Beloved, child of God. His is a baptismal word that places you under the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The author who is to be heeded and trusted. In your baptism, you dear saint, this is the word that Jesus Christ proclaimed to you. The forgiveness of all of your sins and a new life, a resurrected existence in his name, so that no matter what else you hear in this world, this is the promise, this is the authority that is alone worthy of your trust, for it is a word spoken by the one who ultimately and finally and eternally does have authority over you, but not just you, over all the world. So that now you and I who are called to be a part of this, this church, we who are part of this community, who are new creations in Christ Jesus, are sent forth to go and proclaim this authority and continue to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and claim others for his name. To bring them into the new creation that has been made for us, for them, and for you. You and I now live underneath this authority. You and I now live underneath this word of forgiveness. You and I now live and move and have our being in our baptism. 
Just as the the sea was made for the fish to swim and the sky was made for the birds to play, so baptism was given so that you might have new life in the name of Jesus Christ. You live in your baptism, forgiven, renewed, and free for all of eternity. That's where you live and move and have your being and where you play. And it's this new creation that God has for you that has plenty of room for more and more and more people to join you. So tell them so that they can join with you and the great multitude who ultimately and finally on that last day will gather around the throne of Jesus Christ. As uh, we hear in the book of Revelation, on that day we will join a great multitude which no one can number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages and we will stand before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in our hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God on who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That Lamb, Jesus Christ, has authority over everything. And He uses that authority to be the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world, even yours. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks that you have claimed us as your own. Lord, that you call people from every tribe, nation, language, and tongue into your kingdom, and you baptize us into your name. Lord, in this world of chaos and uncertainty, we pray that you would teach us to trust your word and to live joyfully and freely under the authority of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.